All right. <clears throat> Excuse me, neighborly neighbors. I'm gonna try to do you some uh, some favorly favors. You understand what I is be talking about when I'm saying stuff and what? Sold my shit up. Knuckles all fat and shit. Side though, it's all good. Whipped his ass so bad, his stepmom's gonna feel me for the next three birthdays out this month. Look what his homeboy did to the side of your head. What you talking about, kid? This he ain't fading nothing over here though. One ass whooping, man. They still want. How you figure that, man? Look around you, man. They own this shit. They on this couch you sitting on, them shoes you got on your feet, this building, this school, this country, you. We're behind enemy lines, dog. One beat down and never compare to 439 years of captivity. Never. Never. Huh? You don't know shit. Freshman. Brought to you by the fuck that Father Teresa does not give. We do our best to engage with these topics in a manner that is sensitive and considerate to you, our listeners, and your lived experiences. However, we understand that some of these subjects can pack a punch, so we strongly support whatever you need to do to take care of yourself as an audience member, whether that be Pouring yourself a glass of wine before pressing play, listening to our show with a warm, furry animal in your lap, or even turning off today's show and doing whatever brings you peace and joy and intellectual detox before tuning in next week. We welcome all feedback and comments related to our show, including requests for future topics you would like to hear us cover, or suggestions for ways we can improve our handling of emotionally and psychologically heavy material. You are listening to Father Teresa's Wine Cellar. That's right. They on this couch you sitting on. This show. Them shoes you got on your feet. It's brought to you. This building. By the fuck. This school. This country. You. That Father Teresa does not give. Yes, buddy. I made that show opener and... 2014 
uh, because when I was a preteen, that was like the illest fucking trailer for a movie. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. They own this couch you sitting on? Them shoes you got on your feet? Mm-hmm. This building that... I didn't even know who the fuck they was, but it sounded very serious. It does sound very serious. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't wait to see that fucking film when I was a kid. And I, I, still, I still fuck with it. I have a copy of Higher Learning. <clears throat> All right, neighborly neighbors. Um, we are going to finish what we is be done gone and started with this article by Brian Morton uh, for a website called dissonancemagazine.org. Mm-hmm. All right, and where we left off, we were going into somebody with a, a fictional character they made up. Oh, yeah, we were talking about um, a Russian uh, writer. Tol- Tolstoy? Tolstoy. All right, and uh, yeah, we literally did that. Um, what well, we started recording at about... <laughs> Like 12.30 in the p.m. And then I had to go do a shift. So now we're back here at 12.13 in the a.m. So it is late night. Um, So we're right back. Going to go ahead and finish this thing up. And Phoenix Kalita has to do more work for um, December 17th. Sex workers rights work. And I got to do factory stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody's working. All right, so I'm going to run it back a little bit, and we're going to keep going over this article, and somebody might be tuned into the second part first. It happens. I've done it myself. Mm-hmm. You just, you're clicking on something because it's there, <laughs> and yeah. it's like, I fuck with these niggas. The, the title looks interesting. I'm fucking clicking it, and I got to go about my day. So this started because an, an individual that I interact with on the Facebooks um, for several years now, you know, we get our little lefty McLefterson on and whatnot, you know. And um, they shared this article and they said that it was the best piece that they saw on cultural appropriation. And I was like, this nigga's endorsing it. Let's see what it is, because uh, it's not even really my topic. I don't talk about it. I don't think about it. I don't read about it. It's just not really in my head. Like, that's someone else's topic. I'm not the one to go to. And that's why I wouldn't be doing this without Phoenix Kalita here. Because she actually is, like, you're relatively academic, yeah? You remember you're not not by a microphone anymore. Oh, I'm not by the microphone anymore. I keep forgetting. Um, I mean, I guess I don't think I'm particularly academic. I think I just learned how to read academia. But I don't think that's, like, my, I don't know, everyday language setting, I guess. Yeah, for me, I'm super not, you know, so like stuff like this, I need another person and someone with these uh, capabilities, right? Just like how with this book that I'd like to uh, go through, Eh, where did I put it? There it is. Yeah, like I'd like to do book club on this black on both sides, Mm -hmm. a racial history of trans identity. I'd like to cover this book, but I need someone like Maddie Stump or someone else there with me but maddie stump i think is in a phd program and very fucking busy right now all right so let's hop right back into it again um descentmagazine.org and the writer is brian morton all right brian morton <clears throat> and we're i don't know we're maybe about like 50 percent through with this uh gosh darn thing mm-hmm. all right so so they're talking about, um, I'm going to pick up right here. 
a common humanity. The phrase seems quaint, anachronistic. We did this part in the first half, but we're picking it up. Anachronistic, even as I type it. But I think the restoration of dignity and prestige of the idea is one of the tasks of the contemporary left. Hold up. Somebody didn't save something. Uh-oh. And that was me. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> so, the philosopher and novelist um, Iris Murdoch wrote, quote, We judge the great novelists by the quality of their awareness of others. Uh, end quote. If Tolstoy is considered by many to be the greatest novelist who ever lived, this isn't because of the beauty of his sentences or the shapeliness of his plots. It's because he could bring to life so many wildly different characters, from the young girl preparing eagerly for her first ball to the old man dying in his bed, from the aristocrat on a fox hunt to the serf watching the aristocrat ride by. Tolstoy's intense responsiveness to life jolts us into an awareness of how much more deeply we could be living. His intense responsiveness in particular is other uh, to other people jolts us into an awareness of how much more keenly we could be entering into the experiences of the people around us. We did cover that paragraph. One of, uh, what up? Oh, just, I mean, I think I said it um, earlier, but again, like, you don't have to just imagine these things. You can actually talk to people who live this and then accurately um, create characters based on their lived experiences if you take the fucking time. Yeah, you don't get paid to do that. And it's just not as fun. All right, taking a look here. Um, so, one of Tolstoy's contemporaries, George Eliot, wrote explicitly about the effort to uh, imagine the minds of those as a sort of moral necessity in Middlemarch. Uh, Eliot introduces us to a vibrant young woman, Dorothea Brooke. Is it Dorothea or just Dorothy? Am I Dorothea? I'm, okay, so the A, is, it, it, it does do something. Yeah. All right, Dorothea Brooke, who is about to uh, marry a... Uh, a desiccated scholar uh, named uh, Casabon. Yeah, that's right, because we couldn't figure out the pronunciation oh, right. of that yeah, one earlier today. Casabon. So Dorothea naively believes that Casabon is a man of great intellect and great humanity. Everyone else, everyone else knows, uh, everyone else who knows him uh, sees what she can't see, that she's about to marry a cold, humorless, ungenerous man. Around 75 pages into the novel, Elliot does a remarkable thing. She stops the action and says, in effect, We've heard what everyone else thinks of Casabon. What does Casabon think of himself? Okay. And now I can't tell because, like, the way this paragraph is put, I'm wondering if it's an excerpt from the book. Let's see. Uh, suppose we turn from outside estimates of a man to wonder, with keener interest, what is the report of his own consciousness? 
consciousness family about his doings or capacity with what hindrances he is carrying on his daily labors what fading of hopes or what deeper fixity of self-delusion the years are marking off within him and with what spirit he wrestles against universal pressure which will one day be too heavy for him and bring his heart to its final pause. Doubtless his lot is important in his own eyes and the chief reason we think he asks too large a place in our consideration must be our want of room for him. Mr. Casabon, too, was the center of his own world. This is deep thinking. Uh, what are you searching for? Uh, I'm gonna just pull this up on my phone and read that shit again, because what? <laughs> <sighs> All right. Remember what the this- the fuck is the title of this article? Uh, oh, you want to see actually this article in and of itself. Yeah, I want to read that. I want to read that excerpt. It's uh, all shook up the politics of cultural appropriation. Thank you. All right. And I love how fucking, um, uh, I guess, uh, off to the right side is like a tag, like for like a identification for this website. And it's like an ambiguously uh, femme person of color. Mm, that's a black person. They they're playing with the hair texture. It's supposed to be a black person. Oh no shit! God damn! What? Who fucked up the top lip? Who drew this shit? Again, white people with your fucking art. <laughs> All right. Now well, let's see. Let's get back to that area. Do 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 do. Here we are. And continuing past that excerpt. Oh, a passage. I guess you would call it. This little passage is one of the most beautiful statements of the novelist creed that I know. All right. Which, that's a fact and not an opinion. I don't know if folks knew that. It's one of the most beautiful statements of the novelist creed that I know. Um, everyone is the center of a world. The novelist uh, work is to honor this truth. And one of the ways in which a novelist does so is to imagine what it is to live in other people's skin. See? A common objection. That's like what an, uh, I don't think oxymoron. A contradiction, right? Because they're saying what was that? Um, darn it! I just lost it now. <laughs> um, right. So everyone is the center of their own world, but also the novelist has to imagine what it's like to live in other people's skin. If you're the center of your own world, you're not going to be accurately able to imagine what it's like to be in somebody else's skin like that again like we keep coming back to the same problem this isn't a fucking um sample it i spent a week there now i'm an expert it isn't uh i saw a tv show now i know of it no if you want to write about um a lived experience or a group of people outside of your own then actually fucking do the research like it's not complicated it's some about europeans like they cannot leave anyone or anything the fuck alone right like i think a couple weeks ago i saw like another one of these articles where it's like oh look we dug up another fucking tomb from a pyramid because we fucking felt like it yeah and it's just like but no one can it, like how illegal is it to place your hand on the Mona Lisa? Yeah, it's illegal. Well, how illegal is it to dig up, like, 
Winston Churchill. We can't just put him in a museum. Yeah, like, but nobody <laughs> can fucking touch you. Like, let us appropriate some of y'all ass. Let us do some of to Europe what Europe has done to every fucking where. Come on. Like, you fucking weirdos. Stop touching every. Leave everybody alone. But you can't because it's fun. Europeans just want to have fun. Now, let's see. And remember, folks, this uh, this article is in favor of cultural appropriation. And it says that the folks it's arguing that the folks who say that it's a negative thing are incoherent mm-hmm. is what we established in the uh, in the first half of this two part episode. All right. So the the writer Brian Why is this article so fucking long? Yeah, the writer Brian Morton continues saying a common objection to sentiments like this holds that the freedom to imagine others lives has been held almost exclusively by white writers (gasps) who have abused the freedom by creating inaccurate demeaning images of others and that is therefore especially important for white writers to stay in their lane. In this account, silence is recommended as a form of collective penance. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what someone no. said to him. Okay, what is penance? Uh, what penitentiaries are based on? So it's like putting white people in prison, <laughs> really. Like putting white people in prison. No, the concept of penance is that you're um, doing something like like uh, like reparations, like you're making up for your sin. People aren't saying. Um, stop writing bad uh, non-white characters as like reparations for your sin. They're saying stop doing it because y'all suck at it. Those are very different um, statements and contexts. If I tell you to stop doing something because you need to ask for forgiveness versus just stop doing this because you're bad at it and you're not talented at it, that's like a completely different... Why is he so disingenuous? Europeans don't think they're bad at anything, (sighs) Titanic. Europeans do everything... The iceberg would like to differ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the real iceberg, Slim. Woo! (laughs) Slap that boat down. Is Iceberg going to have to slap a boat? All right, that's a bad joke. Don't laugh, don't laugh at that, Phoenix. That's negative. Hmm? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All right, uh, continuing on with this. Again, according to Shannon, um, the best... Uh, wait, yeah, let me... and they did um, DM me. I just haven't had time to look at it. It's been chaotic today, but yeah. Yeah, let me see again what they uh, their commentary was. One of the best pieces I've read on the subject of cultural appropriation. The best. This is the best. All right. I don't know if you knew that. Or one of the best, at least. According to Shannon. I disagree. But yeah. All right. So continuing, the novelist Camilla Shamise has answered this argument thoughtfully. She writes that there is, quote, something deeply damaging in the idea that writers couldn't take on stories about the other as a south asian who has encountered more than her fair share of awful stereotypes about it again nobody said you can't do it we said you're bad at it (laughs) like fucking (sighs) europeans don't do anything bad which is why they're always complaining about their own ideas. And like, I really, um, 
you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if white writers didn't um, negatively or poorly write uh, characters outside of their lived experiences. If they wrote accurate depictions and portrayals and well-rounded, multifaceted characters, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. But that's not dynamite. Oh, which that's... is how black people talk. That is how black people talk. Dynamite, sister girl. That brother's black cracked. Like he looks like he ran right into the dynamite. Oh, it it did. Yeah. Whew. Uh, continuing, right? So uh, let's dance it back to the beginning of this. So the novelist Camila Shamiz, uh, wait, 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 Shamsi, Jesus Christ. I read that. I put the letters backwards. Uh, Camila Shamsi answered this argument thoughtfully. And she writes that there is quote, something deeply damaging in the idea that writers couldn't take on stories about the other as a South Asian who has encountered more than her fair share of awful stereotypes about South Asians in the British Empire novels of the 19th and 20th centuries, I'm certainly not about to uh, disagree with the charge that writers who are implicated in certain power structures have been guilty of writing fiction which supports, justifies, and props up those power structures. I understand the concerns of people who feel, mm-hmm. all right, they feel, they, they don't feel. think, they feel. Yes. This is just their silly little feelings mm-hmm. and not their adult thoughts. Okay. These are feelings. Okay. Continuing, people who feel that for too long stories have been told about them mm-hmm. rather than by them. Mm-hmm. This is just something they feel. Okay. There's no fact in this. Okay. Okay. Maybe they should stop putting their feelings mm-hmm. over these facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing from um, uh, Shamsi, what was her name? Shamsi, Camila Shamsi. Uh, continuing. <clears throat> Uh, but it should be clear that the response to this is for writers to write differently, to write better. But they don't. <laughs> the moment you say a male American writer can't write about a female Pakistani, you are saying don't tell those stories. Worse, you are saying as an American male, you can't understand a Pakistani woman. She is enigmatic, um, in, in, inscrutable, unknowable. She's other. Leave her and her nation to its otherness. I like how they're replacing, like, I would say leave them the fuck alone. But also that's <laughs> like so inaccurate saying, oh, you can't uh, write it. Don't tell those stories. Why can't she tell her own stories? Because the white man doesn't get paid for you to tell your own story. Right, okay. White white people can't have fun without money because they made capitalism to oppress themselves. Again, white white people just stop spreading your ideas. What's fascinating about this is he's using this as... Um, a substance of his article saying, um, you know, my using this. My non-white friend said. My non-white, well, my non-white friend said, but also, uh, worse you're saying as an American male, you can't understand a Pakistani woman. Uh, but then, like, now, if we go back to the beginning of this article, the examples he was using, uh, a white woman saying she can empathize with Emmett Till's mother because she has kids yeah. who've never been lynched for being black and, and looking never, at a white. And will never be. But she can, re- like, how... You know, it was uh, that, and then what was the other one? Nigger of the world. I thought you knew this. Right. Yes, it is. Or um, what was the other one? It was. um, I'm pretty sure that he used another uh, another author who did the same thing, and it's like, 
why would you but now you're arguing that like oh we can't oh the women who opened up like a taco stand after going to mexico for two weeks because now they're experts on mexican cuisine you are the god dang whitest person i've ever seen might be but then it's like but now you're you know down here later on now you're fucking arguing that oh you're saying that you know we can't know them no you don't want to know other people's stories that's why you think two weeks in mexico makes you an expert on mexican cuisine and you can open up your own restaurant that's why you think that merely giving birth makes you uh, connected to black women whose children have been lynched, um, you know, in the fucking Jim Crow South. It's not that white people can't relate. It's that they won't. They don't. They just see something again, which I said in the beginning. They see something, look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I know enough about it. After five minutes, I'm an expert. I'm white. I can't be wrong. And also, because in, in the authentic story, you're implicated. <laughs> Right. Yeah, like that's the thing. In the in the true story, uh, you're Karen, which I think I need to write something about because I'm seeing the interesting thing where like basically um you've got white people calling anyone Karen, white men, black women, white men are doing that now. Specifically, just white men. Uh, I've only seen white men doing it as a form of misogyny, and of course now because white men are doing it, now we all have to change our language because white men have spoken, which is weird because. You'd think white feminists wouldn't give them that ground, but apparently they did. Maybe they just didn't want to hear criticism from black women. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, well, and also, like, that's just something y'all don't understand. Like, you realize black people were talking before the internet? We've been saying this shit. We just happen to be saying it on the internet now because it's fun being a black person like me. I'm from Washington State. I've lived in Florida, lived in Illinois, lived in Michigan, and I can talk to a black person that's from New York who's lived in Philadelphia, lived in Texas, and maybe lives in California now, and we've had those similar experiences, and we think those same names. Mm -hmm. The one that I keep bringing up over the years every once in a while is um, uh, BET's Comic View uh, in the mid to late 90s, uh, Joe Tory, not Joe Tory, my goodness, uh, Joe Claire, who was also the host of Rap City for a while before Big Tigger. Um, he uh, he was doing stand up comedy there and he was making a joke about eating the neck bone, eating soul food. Yeah. And there just happened to be a white woman in the crowd very close to the front. And he just started leaning in and saying, you know what a neck bone is? It's the neck, Becky. It's the <laughs> neck. And like leaning in and like facing mm-hmm. her to where the camera people just put the camera on her. And it's like, yeah, these are the names we've been saying. Right. Yeah, this ain't yeah. new Chad. We've been throwing those That's out. the thing. I don't think white folks think they're new. I think they just want don't want the criticism. Because that's essentially what happened is like now there's a black people like visibly saying Becky and Chad and Brad and Karen and white people got offended and now white women especially are like look at this white man who has nothing to do with the conversation that black service workers were having about you know white women in our store and like look at what white men are saying now they're saying it in a misogynistic way therefore karen is misogynistic so i don't have to respond to any criticism of someone who calls me a karen even though it started with uh me having a temper tantrum at target and you know trying to make the cashier cry yeah you know Let's see. Continuing. All right. Uh, so, yeah, and the otherness. So now he's outside of the quote from his non-white friend that agrees with him. Therefore, she's right. Uh, now we're back to Brian Morton in his article for um, DescentMagazine.org. Um, 
Although it's not uncommon to hear people say that writing from the point of view of someone outside one's identity group in quotes, why would identity group be in scare quotes? Why does he say it's not uncommon? Like, who? how many people are saying that? I do not know. I know a lot of people across several identity groups. Um, I know very few who say that um, authors shouldn't write outside their own lived experiences. They just get mad when someone does a shitty job of it. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know why Shannon thinks this is so dope. Like, why? Why is this one of the? But what? Yeah, look. What? what, You got your message? Uh, it's on the laptop upstairs. Oh shit. Uh, identity group is never permissible. Critics and reviewers seem to have reached a softer consensus about the subject. They tend to say that fiction writers should, of course, claim the freedom to imagine the interior lives of others, but they must do so, here, quotes again, responsibly. Why is responsibly in quotes? Because, oh, I'm sure he's going to argue that because uh, once you start, like, catering to the mob, you'll never be able to do enough. Like, it'll never be responsible enough for, like, I have a feeling that's where it's going. So what you're saying is the white man is predictable? Yes. You see, now, that's why you can't write white characters. And that's why I can't write white characters. Yeah, you don't do so responsibly. That's that shit that, you know, I was saying in the first half is that when we talk about cultural appropriation, white people get on this whole, like, temper tantrum shit. We're like, oh, so you're saying I can't speak another language? No, nobody fucking said that. Like, What? Yeah, nobody they lo- fucking love, that. They love saying you're saying I can't. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why do y'all always go flying right into that one? Because they're hyperbolic, and it's a sort a combination of gish galloping and moving the goalpost. Because they have no intention of being accountable for what you actually called them out for. Yeah. Ugh, Jesus. <laughs> this is why I don't, I don't I don't be knowing people. <laughs> <laughs> And this is why. Yeah, like you think that as soon as I'm no longer on the seven-day work weeks, I'm going to be going out? No. No, I'm not. I might go out people watching, not people interacting. Aww. Yeah. That's messed up. It's a distance. And I literally have goggles. Uh, Not goggles. Um, What are they? uh, uh, where Where you see a distance. Oh, binoculars. binoculars. Yeah, binoculars. I shit you not, I literally have a pair of binoculars. <laughs> I do not want to be near people, but I want to see you do some goofy shit. But I just be hilarious be if someone comes up to you and be like, what the fuck are you doing? And you just be like, I'm pretending it's an opera. <laughs> just put like a little like stick on the side of the binoculars. I will say some shit like that. <laughs> so you that. can pretend they're opera glasses. <laughs> like this This is how Oh wait, does that mean you're culturally appropriating white people's art? If you pretend they're opera glasses? Yep, and I'm not doing so responsibly. <laughs> and that means I'm disrespecting their identity group. <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> this is so fucking goofy. Okay. God, like okay. this nigga just like fucking hovered his asshole over the fucking keyboard <laughs> and just rocked his sphincter back and forth until this came out. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I guess you oh did squats. God. You didn't right. do squat, though. Uh, oh, no. Oh, continuing no. Continuing from Brian Morton. Yes. Um, 
on one level, this is obviously reasonable. If really? someone wrote a story about a devout Muslim, I'm waiting for the butt, about, about, about a devout Muslim with a scene in which the main character came home from work and made himself a pork chop, it would be reasonable to tell the writer that he needed to find out a little more about Islamic customs and beliefs, and it would be reasonable to tell him to uh, approach the subject more responsibly. But... If we think about it, this mm. notion of responsibility has um, disquieting implications. When Phoenix said, but that actually was there. <laughs> All right. Continuing. Isaac Babel, the great, the great. Mm-hmm. Russian Jewish. And here's the irony of him mentioning Russian Jewish right after just saying the um, the Muslim eating the pork chop. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of this world, into the hip hop world, where I always look at things from. Um, uh, there's DJ Vlad, who was um, literally was a DJ, was a break dancer, you know, a, a participant, like an actual DJ, like a, re- a, re- a real DJ. You know, and and then like a mixtape DJ after that, and now predominantly just does interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord Jamar from the Brand Nubians rap group from the '90s is kind of beefing with Vlad, and Vlad is a person of the Jewish faith, is in his family background, and mm-hmm. is also from Russia. And um, and Jamar is always like, I've been in this house, I've seen him eat pork. <laughs> that's kind of funny yeah so there's an irony there it's it's lovely uh so isaac babel the great russian jewish short story writer published most of his work before the stalin regime came to power after stalin began to imprison and execute writers and intellectuals babel tried to stay alive by staying silent but even while he tried to display his allegiance to the regime, he couldn't suppress his independence of mind. At a writer's conference in Moscow in 1934, Babel said that, quote, The party and government have given us everything and have taken from us only one right, that of writing badly. Comrades, let's be honest. This was a very important right, and not a little is being taken from us. Is this literally a white man complaining about the right to do a bad job? Yes. This is the argument for appropriation? Yes. Is that the white man should be allowed to do a bad job? Yes. (laughs) Shannon, what the (laughs) fuck are you talking about? Nigga. Okay. Okay. Continuing for some reason. Uh, But also, I just, like. Yes, ma'am. I don't know the context of which this speech was written or made. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds to me like he's talking about, like, government censorship. And I'm not sure that um, writing uh, bad lesbian erotica or racist caricatures of black people is what he's actually talking about i mean i don't know it just seems contextually off i don't know no you don't know and folks um looking at the video you may see me like looking up and moving my head (laughs) because like the sound of the cats um killmonger and light skin killmonger chasing each other up and down the stairs is fucking jarring yeah this is their uh like this is their time it sounds like a grown person running like a grown adult human running 
Well, that's because they run and like literally jump into each other and tackle each other and shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. The, the cats are doing. But if I <laughs> let me step outside the room for a second, let me say, meow. You want to pick me up? Pick me up, hold me, rub my belly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, continuing. Um, again, this is uh, Brian Morton for um, DescentMagazine.org. Mm-hmm. Quote, uh, Babel was saying that Stalin had taken away everything mm-hmm. without the freedom to write badly. The writer has no freedom at all. This Shannon. sounds an awful lot like when white men be like, if I can't say nigger, I'm being oppressed. Someone is violating my free speech because I can't say nigger on my Twitter feed. That whole thing you just said right there should be the real title of this article. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care how many characters it is. Fucking make it fit. <laughs> I'm being oppressed because I can't say nigger. Oh, God. Oh, God. Like, that is dead ass what that sentence sounded like. Oh, this is, like, not even... And it's hard... Like, I really... When I sat down to cover this, because I read this this morning. I was yeah. next to you in the bed, laying down, reading it. And then I yeah. turned to you like, check this wacky shit out. Yeah. And I was like, we're going to sit down. We're going to cover this and have a serious discussion. I can't no. stop laughing. No. It's so bad. It should be comedy. <laughs> like, I got to wonder, like, is Brian Morton, like, it, it, like, is he bullshitting and, like, trying to sabotage the white man? Like, Like, is he going against his own kind with this? Because this is that just, fucking bad. I get the impression that he's the type of guy who writes the stuff that we don't want him to write, and he's justifying why he writes it. Hmm. That's just the vibe I get. All right. Morse Chestnut. Let's do it. Uh, uh, just as writers need the freedom to write badly, they, this three times now I've seen the word badly and freedom. Freedom to... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> the freedom to write badly. They need the freedom to write irresponsibly. <laughs> Nigga, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> We're never gonna finish this thing. <laughs> they need the freedom to write irresponsibly. The best fiction is deeply moral. George Eliot's creed of empathy is the highest ethical idea I can conceive of, and yet fiction couldn't be written at all if it lost its connection to the world of irresponsible play. He went with play, play, play. That's the word he went with. What I say in the first half? Oh, that they like to have fun. Just want to have fun. They don't actually give a shit. But see, and this is that shit that, again, I'm mad because I can't say nigger. Well, I'm not racist. I should be able to say it. And it's like, but there are real life consequences for people who have that slur thrown at them. There are consequences for white men playing at irresponsible writing when it's reinforcing negative gender stereotypes or class stereotypes or racial um, ableist stereotypes, uh, immigrant stereotypes. There are consequences. Like, what the fuck? No, you don't have a right to play irresponsibly, nigga. If you want to play irresponsibly, go fucking play in traffic. Go play there, nigga. Fuck out of here. Like, even children... And I remember on one of our elementary school teachers showed us this because they were like, oh, you think you want to live with a, in a world without rules? 
I think this was actually Mr. Peter Rushing again, my uh, fourth grade elementary school teacher. On God, I'm telling you right now, he's going to make a comment about that. Rules in writing. Oh. I... Because <laughs> we're, we're nine years old, it's grade four, and, you know, he's... I like the way he taught his class, because he would freestyle a lot. It wasn't yeah. always out the book, you know, and... um. And he was like, well, think about it. Like, let's say you go outside and you start playing a game of tag. Mm-hmm. Well, like, um, if someone's going to start to get tired, mm-hmm. you'd be like, wait, I need a base. I'm good at outrunning the person that's it, but I'm running out of breath. I just need a base to catch my breath and I can get out there and run again. Yeah. And you start making rules. And then someone's like, wait, you can't just stay on base that long. Uh, how about you can only be on base for 30 seconds, mm-hmm. you know, and then you start like you're just going to start making rules. Mm-hmm. This grown motherfucking man <laughs> mm-hmm. is arguing to be less responsible than nine year olds. I mean, again, there's so many. He can fucking chew rusty nails. He can play with a rabid leopard. There are so many things he can do if he wants to be irresponsible. This was not one of them. For Europeans fucking with other people. Damn, and back to George Carlin. It, it's called fucking with people. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> fucking with other people is the best fun. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Fucking with other people. You gotta do it. Right? Like, what What do people do? Like, somebody will um, be like, hey, hey, Phoenix, what, what are you doing? You're in big trouble. You can't do that. And then you're like, huh, what? What did I do? Hey, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah. Right? They yeah. love to just fuck with you. I, I'll never forget. Is, I, I mean, isn't that the uh, basis of the propaganda of pulling people over just to give them ice cream cones? Ah, uh, just fucking with you. Yeah. Bigly. Handily. Heavily. Yeah. And, like, that kind of shit where I think I saw, like, uh, this on the Facebooks. Re- when I say recently, I mean, like, in the past two years. I'm 37. Recently is a lot longer than it used to be. <laughs> fucking... But I remember the first time I saw it was in the early 90s as a child in Spanaway. And it's a child's birthday party. They um, they blow out the candles of the cake. And as soon as the fire's out, an older uh, male in the family pushes the back of their head down and shoves their face into the cake. And it's like, that's right there. That's white people. You just gotta do you gotta you gotta fuck with somebody and this is why gender reveals burn down thousands of acres of forests yeah yeah that and probably climate change as well <laughs> all right continuing on with brian you know this this article is like so much of what we do in one thing this is white on white crime this is becky lives matter i'm gonna just arbitrarily declare it cis identity extremist as well i mean are you declaring it irresponsibly with a sense of fun? Only towards one identity group, yes. <clears throat> <laughs> All right, actually continuing again. Uh, after the Ayatollah mm. Ruhala Khomeini uh, proclaimed a fatwa against uh, Salman R- uh, Rushdie, I'm so used to fucking Anglo names. Uh, I'm one of those people. You take me outside of Anglo names, I can't pronounce shit. That's because you're culturally appropriating the English language. Yes, that's what we were actually doing <laughs> on the plantations. They it were is. like, 
Magger, you need to speak African, and we we ain't even gonna be gonna speak it. I was gonna talk like you. Hey, look at me, I'm talking like a white man. I'm talking like a white man. And that's actually how black people started speaking English, and that's why they beat the slaves. They were like, you quit, nigga, speak African. Stop talking like a white, I'm talking like a white man. I do what I want. That was the liberation of the Negro. This is the worst comedy show. I don't know why people support this. You want I should treat him like a white man? Oh, man. Oh, you need to still see that. You still haven't seen that movie. Uh, what film? Django Unchained. I have not watched Django Unchained. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm just um, oddly like, I'm like preemptively triggered by knowing that they're just raping that black woman. I think that's like. Wait, by, what? Yeah, aren't they like they're raping that black woman no. and he's trying to save her? Um, it's more implied than something that actually happens in a scene. Oh yeah, even that, like yeah, even like, that yeah. knowledge, like it, it, it's it's in my head. It makes it hard to fucking mm. click it. That's why I, I have not clicked that shit. Yeah, yeah, may, maybe one day, you yeah. know. But yeah, not now. Even though what that movie's like six, seven years it's, old. Yeah, it's old. Yeah, and I I still haven't done it. Yeah. And you know I like watching something on a glowing screen. Yes. I love entertainment yeah. and eating something that'll raise my blood pressure while well, looking at it. Just watch the scene where he whips a white man. <laughs> that's a good scene. No, see that's appropriating. It's the white man is the one that whips. Yeah. See, that's irresponsible play. But yeah, that was a line in the movie, and it was a funny moment because he was free, of course, and so he shows up at a plantation with a white guy, and the plantation owner's like, "Well, you can't treat him like the other niggers around here because he's free." And the slaves are like, "We should treat him like a white man." He's like, "No, no, no." Um, hmm. and like didn't like know what to say about how oh, to treat like the free black man. It's a wacky film. It's, it's one of them Tarantino shits. Right? Yeah, it's much more comedy than comedy action. Yeah, Tarantino is a weird cat. Uh, <laughs> all right, continuing on. So after the Ayatollah Ruholi Khomeini proclaimed a fatwa against mm-hmm. Salman Rushdie for publishing the Satanic Verses, some writers and intellectuals expressed their solidarity with Rushdie, while others murmured that he should have written more responsibly. I don't know about this. I really don't. I haven't read the Satanic Verses, so I'm not actually going to comment. Because, like, responsibly as... Because, like, I have a feeling he's about to start blurring, like, political correctness and freedom of speech and blah, blah, blah. Because there's... You know what I mean? Because that's that shit where there's a difference between, like, if you're reading a book about slavery and it's like, oh, it has the word nigger in it. Yeah, well, because it's a book about slavery as opposed to, you know, the fucking Gamergate boys who just like to say it because it's edgy. Like, those are not the same context, even though people pretend they are in the free speech conversation. (sighs) So I haven't read the Satanic Verses, so I'll hold back. Is is it another fiction book or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably garbage. Uh, the satanic verse some writers and intellectuals expressed their solidarity while others murmured he should have written more responsibly uh with uh, yeah responsibly uh without admitting it to themselves they were standing with his persecutors implying that he brought the fatwa down upon himself through his provocative literary behavior, the right to offend, the right to satirize, even the right to get things wrong, all of these are precious, and anyone who believes oneself a friend of art and literature needs to defend them without qualification. Without qualification. 
Interesting. Everything's dope. Shannon, what? Without qualification? Mm-hmm. This is one of the best. I'd hate to see what is the best, or I'd love to see it. Give me another comedy episode. These are good for the PayPal. Uh, fucking uh, continuing. I should make it clear that I'm not saying that people who grouse about cultural appropriation are as bad as Stalin or the Ayatollah. I'm saying they don't respect the anarchic energies of art. Anarchic energies of art. What did I say a couple minutes ago? He was going to go into like the rules of shit. There are no rules. It's anarchist. Okay. I see you. Okay. That's why, that's literally why I turned to you because I was like, all right, mm-hmm. go ahead and interpret this for myself. Oh, yeah. Ass. I'm just glancing at the plot <laughs> of the Satanic Verses. Yeah. It's a magical realism book that basically offended Muslims across the planet, which I mean, you Wait, know. Which Muslims? Um, Literally every single Muslim. I said Muslims across the planet. Doesn't mean all of them. It just means ones on various continents. So basically, the, I, I'm I'm get I'm just guessing here. Mm-hmm. Vocal minority. Yes. Like letting loud like volume is not the same as uh, uh the, the, numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah. So apparently, yeah, a lot of Muslims were offended by it, but that's all right. So. All right. But again, even that, though. So you're comparing a sort of satirical, um, Jesus, Uh, like a satirical take on religion with badly writing like an Asian character in a book or an accurately depicting an Asian character. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. Everything the white man does is interesting. Mm hmm. Sure. Let's go with that. All right. Continuing. Um, here we go with another name I'm about to pronounce the fuck out of. Mm-hmm. When uh, Daya Gilev commissioned Jean Cocteau uh, to write the liber- le- liber- libretto mm-hmm. for one of his ballads. Is it ballads or ballet? Ballets. Uh, for one of his ballets. That That's where they do the, uh, the, the dancing. Yeah. All right. They do the fancy dancing. The fancy dancing. Yeah. I don't even. Uh, it, it actually doesn't look that dope to me. I, I think, think it looks cool. Yeah, it, it looks overrated to me. Mm-hmm. Like uh, other, like when they do the um the toe thing, which I don't think is really a good idea. You're probably fucking up your feet. But oh, they are. Yeah, like you probably you probably shouldn't do that at least for long periods or at all ever. But yeah, for the most part, it looks really goofy. It's I don't I don't know what the fuck you folks are doing. I can, get, I can get into ballet. I I dig like it's like white people do the river dance. Do river dance? You like river dance? That shit is clowning. The ri- like that shit's kind of cold. Like when they're real nice with it, that shit is cold. Oh my god, I have to. Fi- I'm gonna have to find that clip from Riverdance for you now. Yeah, like- there's like a clip in the actual like Riverdance musical where there's like two black guys making fun of the Irish step dancers and like mimicking them. Aww. and it's kind of funny. And I got, we'll find. I'm gonna look for that later. On some level, sometimes that's what the Crip Walk looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, um, uh, but, uh, what else? I was like, also keep in mind that came from one of the white people that wasn't white until they engaged in anti-blackness. Remember, that's Irish people and Scottish people. They do that kind of dancing and they were never white until they got anti-black. Oh, yeah. When they got to be uh, police officers, I think was a big Yes, big police officers was a big one. But yeah, it's always interesting, like which um, like white, di- like different white um, like subgroups or like 
you know, like they, they were like, oh, you act too much like black people. Like you're a little too lively with your dancing and your music and shit. Yeah, tone that down. <laughs> tone that down. Murder someone. Act like a white man. Play oh. irresponsibly. Play irresponsibly. <laughs> uh, Don't play hard. Just play irresponsibly. Oh, this is, <laughs> this is the, one of the best. All right. Uh, uh, so one of his ballets, his only words of instruction were, astonish me. What young artists today are being told is something more along the lines of, watch your step. Really? Because I'm pretty sure like a big hit record right now is called um, uh, Self-Lubricated Vaginas. Oh, yes, that is a that is a record. Right now. But also they say, uh, you know, you used to be told astonish me. Now you're being told watch your step. But maybe because the same fucking racist and bigoted and classist jokes aren't funny anymore. Like we've been hearing them since Shakespeare. Maybe we're just tired of the same <laughs> recycled jokes. Be better. Just fucking be better. And also, I, I just be like fucking um, I, I'm, I'm funny style about white people and jokes. I watch your jokes because. I mentioned this before. Jim Crow was a joke. (laughs) Jim Crow was a minstrel character. A joke. Mm -hmm. Like, I watch your jokes because, um, well, to quote another white man, a lot of truth is said in jest. And that was the truth of how you wanted it to be. You wanted shit to be Jim Crow. You made the character, passed the 13th Amendment, and enacted it. That's always how I think we've talked about this on a previous episode a little bit, but like basically um, sort of like fascist propaganda or like bigoted propaganda works is that it's always um, sort of proposed as something ridiculous. Right. So Jim Crow, like that was fucking ridiculous. It was corny or it's the same shit now with like the uh, like the ironic Nazis, right? The foot of the fucking groipers and shit. Right. Fucking ironic Nazis. It's always presented as something um, that's intended to be harmless because it's funny or it's a joke and nobody then talks about the consequences because jokes aren't supposed to have consequences. It's just supposed to be like humor and you move on, but there are real life consequences for this type of shit. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Phoenix Kaleeder. Uh, continuing. <clears throat> uh, and again, this is uh, Brian Morton, uh, DescentMagazine.org. Uh, Just as the critics of cultural appropriation have a puritanical view of art. Ah, so now now non-white people are the Puritans. See how that goes? Mm -hmm. We're the Puritans now. (laughs) A a puritanical view of culture. It's also just like, that really is a thing when you tell white people no. Again, like you were saying earlier, or someone said earlier, where it's like, oh, so you're telling me I can't do anything? And it's like, no, no, nobody said that. You said that. We didn't say that. And also, like, you don't want to know what I would really like to impose on white people. <laughs> nigga, like, nigga. Yeah, but no, that really is that thing, though, where they're like, oh, so you're being a Puritan or you're being a feminazi or, you know, like all these things. And it's like, somebody just told you to stop writing non-white characters until you actually spend time in a non-white culture on an immersive level. Like, oh, so you're telling me I can't speak Spanish now? I can't eat enchiladas anymore? Like, no, nobody fucking said that. Like, but we're puritanical because some fake persecution in your head? I, nigga. Why say all these words or even any of those words? Just say, no, go fuck yourself. They say that too. Yeah, like shorten it. Shorten the interaction. Like, why waste everyone's time? You know you're going to act white anyway. 
Mm. So just keep fucking doing it and we'll keep critiquing it and you'll keep ignoring the critique. Yeah, but then if they just ignore it, then they might actually be seen as racist or bigoted in some way because they're not listening to critiques. So they have to respond. So in the, oh Jesus, I've never considered this thought. So you you think what you're you're telling me is that in their heads they think that by saying this part, they're just now they've tricked us into thinking they're not racist. Yeah, like they're justifying it and they think we're going to believe it. Like they're making valid points, but they're not making valid points. Oh no! I'm gonna quote Jay Z. We don't believe you. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, no. I, I think that's very much what they're. I mean, that's the entire point of this purpose. This fucking piece isn't um, written for people who think that cultural appropriation isn't real. This is written for people who think cultural appropriation is real and explaining why it's okay for white people to do it. That's the point of this piece. You sure? Or is it for people? Or like, well, it basically is it for people like Shannon, who's just like, shut up, nigger, we're having fun. Um, I mean, I guess there's a level of confirmation bias there, but I don't think that's the target audience is not the confirmation bias people. This is to the people who said that uh, you said cultural appropriation is wrong and I disagree with you because I have a right to be irresponsible or whatever the fuck he said up, <laughs> up earlier. Said that shit. Yeah, like, yeah, that's. Yeah, I like that. That's good radio. We're gonna make facial expressions. <laughs> we got two faces in each video. other. <laughs> All right, more fun stuff that is fun. Uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll jump back into this article, uh, this uh, paragraph. So just as the critics of cultural appropriation have a puritanical view of art, they have a puritanical view of culture as well. Now I'm just wondering. Again, I'm gonna reference the same record, but I'm gonna say the actual title. Um, how circular is the Venn diagram of people that critique cultural appropriation and support the record wet ass pussy? Because that don't seem very puritanical to me. Shannon, do you think that's, that's puritanical? Oh, that's not what he means by puritanical. Shannon, do you think that's puritanical? Shannon. No, that's not what he means. I don't think that's what he means by puritanical in this context. I think he means is in we're very we're rigid gatekeepers and we just won't let them just sneak in just a little bit. No. See, here comes the just won't let them. Nigga, I can't stop you from doing shit. You realize I have one of your names. My name is William Jackson. That is super not an African name from anywhere on the content. I have to wear your name. I'm born into speaking your language. Yes, I've and we need you to stop talking about that while we continue to appropriate your culture. Well, do what you do. You know, just murder me. That's what you do. <laughs> that would be uncivilized. And we are civilized here. Ooh. We're not We're not right-wingers. We're liberals. We no, no, you're not civilized. Civilized. This is All a right. civilized discussion, William. This you don't know. You don't know. One of the best. One of the best. I'm checking to see if there's um any uh comments. I mean, we are live, like in the literally the middle, middle of the, of the night. night. Yeah. I mean, there's two people that have been faithfully tuned in the whole time. Oh fuck! Never mind. Though one of those is actually me. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> one person has been tuned in. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is fucking 1 a.m., so... Yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, and yeah, yeah, it's all right. Go, Matt. So, a puritanical view of culture as well. Let's look again at Susan Scafidi's definition quote, taking intellectual property, traditional mm-hmm. knowledge, cultural mm-hmm. expressions, mm-hmm. or artifacts from someone else's culture without permission. This can include unauthorized use of another cult of another culture's dance, dress, mm-hmm. music, language, folklore, cuisine, traditional medicine, religious symbols, etc. Mm-hmm. End quote. What doesn't make sense about that definition? Like, he's saying it doesn't make sense, but it's pretty fucking clear to me. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, Again, cultural appropriation ain't really my topic, but this article seems so damn silly. I got to get, and that's why you're here. Yeah. So this definition is legit for you. Well, I think it's legit for you too. I think I said in the first segment that I think you do talk about cultural appropriation. You just talk about it from a very narrow focus, like in particular, like hip hop culture, crip culture, things like that. Because I think you've even said like Snoop, right? Was saying like doesn't like people just like crip walking and yeah. you know using certain slang because they're not from that culture. But I mean that's essentially the same thing, right? Taking intellectual property, traditional knowledge, cultural expressions, including dance, dress, music, right? Yeah, he because said, um, uh, he said that goes for little kids and R and B singers. Stop crip walking if you ain't no banger. Because remember, like the I Need a Girl Part Two video, mm-hmm. like Puff Daddy and them niggas was crip walking in Timberlands. <laughs> like, nigga, you what? Nigga, mm-hmm. what, what you getting your walk on for? Like, that's a that's a no go, yeah. and that's like um at that time because crip walking is from the early seventies. Uh, yeah, like late 60s, early 70s. So yeah, it's like about four decades old at that time when he wrote that yeah. rhyme. And uh, yeah, like he he just, he didn't dig it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like me, like I'm not like, darn it, stop that right now. Yeah. I'm more of the nigga that's like, cause what the fuck is your, like I'm, I'm the nigga that clowns you, but he was yeah. like offended. But then again, yeah. remember Snoop is the... Snoop is the baby gangster generation. He got mm-hmm. put on in the early 80s. Right. I think niggas, like, I, no one forgets how old Snoop is. He actually looks his age. <laughs> but fucking, yeah, like, Snoop is a second generation crip. Mm-hmm. Like, he's from very close to the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I understand him being quite offended. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so I think you talk about um, cultural appropriation in that context, even if you aren't offended or upset, like, you at least be like, that's messed up. Or, you know, like, you understand why people say you shouldn't do that. So I think that, like, that definition would make sense to you as well, right? Yeah, so, like, I got put on in the 90s. Like, yeah, I'm way behind. And and I'm not even from California, so we don't even have that fundamentalism. Yeah, like and, but that. Then, and then even then shit with, like, uh, well, like, you know, we've had conversations about this. Like, you, uh, we're in Florida, and somebody was said they were a blood or a crip or something, but their flag was on the wrong side. And you're like, what is this off-brand shit? <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, like but, I, I was you know. a new resident out there. I was walking on the street and I saw a dude and uh, yeah, his shit was just hanging out his right pocket and I was just like, I would do Right. And I think I think that's like the same concept when it comes to cultural appropriation. Again, when you don't understand the culture, because then you make really goofy mistakes like that, where it's just like, what are you doing? That's not how it's supposed to work. This isn't how it works. And that's essentially, you know, what people are arguing against here. And he's like, I have the right to be irresponsible. To do it badly. All right. So, yeah. Yeah, I do think you talk about it. I just think you talk about it, like, in a very uh, narrow microcosm of, yeah. 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 Yeah, like, I, I was about to bring up another hip-hop one, but we're never going to finish this thing. Ugh, it's so uh, long. It's so long. Why are there so many words? 
fucking... He has a lot of time to do this wrongly and yeah. badly. I wish I had that much time. Jesus Christ. Maybe I should do things badly. Oh. Uh, so, the Critica Folklore Cuisine... Uh, all right, so passed the definition. So now he... So he mentioned the definition again, and now Brian Morton will continue. Excuse me. We imagine the um, the arbiter of cultural appropriation as a kindergarten teacher. No, we arbiter don't. Arbiter is not Who a word I use. Who the fuck is we? Wait, arbiter is not really a word I use. Um, Like the final decision maker. Okay. All right, let, let, let's do this whole paragraph. Let's see, we'll see where he's going. Uh, we imagine, we, you know, all of us, uh, we imagine the arbiter of cultural appropriation as a kindergarten teacher sternly telling the children not to use one another's toys without asking, but this isn't the way culture develops. There is no product of culture that isn't the result of mixing, that isn't the... See, again, then now, that... Okay, finish the paragraph. Mm -hmm. Isn't the result of mixing, that isn't the result of taking things without permission, from the meals we make to the music we enjoy to the language that I am using to write this essay... You're supposed to be speaking English. I'm not. <laughs> and then, like, the mixing. Mm -hmm. Nigga, don't believe what the new Texas textbooks tell you. Mm -hmm. We didn't come over here. Voluntarily. Looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. This is force. We're not choosing to mix. Jesus fucking Christ. God damn. Shannon... But also, like, okay, so he says things like taking things without permission. What did uh, Native people take from white people? What did... They took their diseases. <laughs> Those were given voluntarily and freely oh, they just with showed, joy. They saw them and they said, hey, they said, what the fuck? Look at them white men over there with all them fly-ass viruses. <laughs> My nigga, we gotta get up on that. Like, seriously, what fucking shit did indigenous people steal from Europeans? What did black slaves steal from Europeans? What are all the fucking uh, countries in Africa that got colonized? What did they steal from their colonizers? Um, hmm. See, and this is like, now this is when the fucking people get in the cultural appropriation just to be like, oh, well, if you hate uh, cultural appropriation, then why are you wearing jeans and speaking English? I don't know, because I'll probably get shot in the face if I don't. I know how you people behave. I'm a blue collar <laughs> worker and they're durable. Maybe if you hadn't come and forced your capitalism on everyone, I could just wear what goes with the weather. I would put on a big old fur in the winter and I'd rock a dashiki in the summer. But I have to wear this shit literally every single day because I have to go into a factory because Europeans decided that protein bars need to exist. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> what were they sharing their culture with you that way? I didn't want you to. <laughs> I don't. There is, there is no enthusiastic consent. This does not spark joy. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh huh. Oh no. Oh, the next paragraph. Uh, the next sentence, man. Okay. The um. Da 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 da. From the meals uh, length to writing this essay. Then the next one. Mm hmm. Much of the mixing has been on horribly unequal terms. So is it really mixing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unequal terms. Mm-hmm. Mixing. 
Mm -hmm. but not all of it. Okay. Aw, shit. In our current way of looking at it, cultural appropriation is always pictured as a vampire-like dominant culture, draining the blood of a minority culture too weak to defend itself. Absolutely the fuck not. Um, nobody has said that minority cultures are too weak to defend themselves. That's why they're constantly innovating and creating. What are you talking about? Also, well, I see, I, I, I maybe I was going in the opposite direction of you. Because we kind of can't. If they do a no-knock raid on this townhouse right now, yeah. we're going to get shot and killed. We can't defend ourselves. Yeah, we are, but there's more black people than us. Like, we aren't the only black people. Oh, they'll shoot them, too. They're not going to kill us all. No, no, they need they need fun stuff to do. Yeah. But if they feel like it, what are we going to do? Well, if we go, like, straight race war with it? That ain't going to work. Because also, you might remember, like, we have lots of people that aren't white that are going to fight for the white side. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So it, it's in the can. Yeah. But they're not. I don't think they're going to do that. No. That's, like, too, uh, like, bloody for them. They don't like seeing that blood up close. Well, and also, it's not what the billionaires want. It's also not what the <laughs> yeah. billionaires want. As soon as it's what the billionaires want, then it is be going to happen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> soon as they feel like it, they're going to be like, yo, flick the race war switch. I want to watch a new reality show. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, I don't think, uh, like, saying that minority cultures are too weak to defend themselves because, like, if, like black culture, Amer black American culture in particular is constantly, like, reinventing itself, right? Um, you know, whether it's using different types of slang or hairstyles, makeup styles, fashion styles, always uh, reinventing. Hmm. Interesting. Me, me I, I tend to miss it. Like, I, I kind of stopped at 1995 as yeah. far as style. Yes. Yeah, like, 19... And I shit you not, folks. Like, I literally... Like, when it comes to my personal style, it ended in 1995. What I started doing then, that's how I carry myself now. All right. Dancing it forward, continuing on with Brian Morton for DescentMagazine.org. So much of it on unequal terms, uh, but not all of it is uh, in our own current way of looking at it. Cultural appropriation is always pictured as a vampire-like dominant culture, draining the blood of a minority culture too weak to defend itself. A more confident social justice movement <laughs> okay. might see some of these borrowings, borrowings, as evidence of the strength of popular creativity. Borrowing without consent is stealing. Thank you very much. No, 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 yeah. no. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, that's just them having fun and having the right to act irresponsibly. I'm running out of sarcasm. <laughs> it's burning out. Um, borrowing things as evidence of strength of popular creativity. Ralph Ellison, in a review of a book about music and race in America, was getting at this idea when he wrote the origins of the blues as, quote, enslaved and politically weak men successfully imposing their values upon a powerful society through song. Nigga, shut up. That is stupid. Wait a second. So the values of weak black men were imposed on rich white men? Yes. So, why is shit still like it is? Have you tried imposing harder? 
Yeah, we literally made gangster rap. Like, we got all the way there to niggas literally just having guns on the album cover. Real guns actually on the album cover. Like, yeah, actually, I would say yes to that question unironically. Yeah, um, no, I think that's an incredibly ridiculous sentence. Um, again, I have to wonder if, like, the context is appropriate, because I have doubts. But, yeah, enslaved and politically weak men successfully imposing their values upon a powerful society through song. Um, some of the biggest blues performers these days are white dudes, like fucking Eric Clapton and shit, who's racist as fuck. Um, but, yeah, a lot of blues mainstream popular uh, blues performers are white, so that didn't work out for... Mark Brassard. Mark Brassard, yeah, he's bluesy. Um, you know, so that didn't work out for black people. As far as imposing values, the blues, literally called the blues because a lot of it uh, was about sad shit, isn't getting any better. Niggas still in prison, fucking still getting lynched, fucking still getting attacked by cops. Like, what? All right. So, no, I don't know what you're talking about imposing their values. If black music imposed values, there'd be a lot less fucking racism. Have you heard what black people say about police and their music? And fucking poverty and fucking fuck CEOs and shit? House of Blues. They ought to call it the House of Lame White Motherfuckers. (laughs) Inauthentic, low-frequency, single-digit lame white motherfuckers. Especially these male movie stars who think they're blues artists. You ever see these guys? Don't you just want to puke in your soup with one of these fat, balding, overweight, overage, out-of-shape, middle-aged male movie stars with sunglasses, jumps on stage and starts blowing into a harmonica? It's a fucking sacrilege. In the first place, in the first place, white people got no business playing the blues ever, at all, under any circumstances, ever, ever, ever. What the fuck do white people have to be blue about? Banana Republic ran out of khakis? The espresso machine is jammed? Pootie and the Blowfish are breaking up? Shit, white people ought to understand their job is to give people the blues, not to get them. And certainly not to sing or play them. Tell you a little secret about the blues. It's not enough to know which notes to play. You gotta know why they need to be played. And another thing, I don't think... Yeah, he just made me think of that. Yeah. It's funny because I was actually going to mention the Blues Brothers too. Is uh, I actually like the Blues Brothers, but um, the film, yeah, the film. Yeah. Uh, but like their music and the even the songs they did in the film, those were fucking covers from black artists. And people like, oh, people still like now, like, oh, that Blues Brothers song, like, no, that was Taj Mahal, nigga. No, that was Sam and Dave, nigga. (laughs) Like, but people don't even know that. But you know, but that's because um, black men uh successfully imposed their values upon a powerful society. Shannon. What? <laughs> Nigga. Yeah, I'm, I don't Help like this me. article at all. I don't like this article. And this is not beef. This ju- It just happens to be Shannon, the person that posted this, and they just happen to have a two-syllable name Yeah, that you can just say like that. <laughs> That's probably why I was like, Shannon. Sounds a little angry. It's easy to say like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely going to follow up with the DMs with this person because I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't like this article at all. Continuing. In many of his essays written as far back as 60 years ago, 
Ellison turns out to be one of the surest guides to the controversies around cultural appropriation that we have. Here he is in his essay called The Little Man at Shehaw Station. All right, and this is a fucking whole ass three paragraphs. I'll rip through the whole thing. Mm. And here it goes. It is here on the level of culture that that elements of the many available taste, traditions, ways of life, and values that make up the total culture have been ceaselessly appropriated and made their own, consciously, uh, unselfconsciously, or imperialistically by groups and individuals to whose own background and traditions they are historically alien. Indeed, it was through this process of cultural appropriation and misappropriation that Englishmen, Europeans, Africans, and Asians became Americans. The pilgrims began by appropriating the agriculture, uh, agricultural, military, and meteorological lore of the Indians... Okay. Yes. He said, what the fuck? This goes back to the, like 60 years or 40 years. So we're talking like he was writing the shit back in the 60s. All right. Indians, including much of their terminology, the Africans thrown together from numerous ravaged tribes, took up the English, took up the English language and the biblical legends of the ancient Hebrews and were Americanizing themselves long before the American Revolution. Shannon! Everyone played the appropriation game. God damn! What the fuck? Wait a minute. I know this nigga did not just compare pilgrims stealing shit from native people and slaves being beaten to speak English and love Jesus in the same fucking paragraph. Shannon, this is one of the best. Oh, this is, this is <laughs> ugly. This is ugly. Americans seem to have sensed intuitively that the possibility of enriching the individual self by such pragmatic and opportunistic appropriations has constituted one of the most precious of their many freedoms. In this country, things are always all shook up so that people are constantly moving around and rubbing off on one another culturally. You know, I Did he come from a time when racial segregation wasn't a thing? Nigga. In growing up in Spanaway as a child, I lived around up uh, there was a lot of folks from Korea out there. And going into the late nineties, a lot of folks from Cambodia. And I kicked it with them. Mm-hmm. And we we would bug out. We were children, we would play, we were teenagers, we would hang out. Yeah. I don't try to do, like, I don't try to do whatever the fuck it is their parents were doing in their house. (laughs) Yeah. I did my own thing that my black mother taught me to do in our house. Yeah. Like, you don't just fucking turn into someone because you fucking know them. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you want to play it being irresponsible, you do. (sighs) All right. So we're outside of that and we're back to Brian Morton's own words. Ellison's friend and comrade-in-arms, Albert Murray, had a similar perspective. Quote, American culture, even in its most rigidly segregated precincts, is uh, patently and irrevocably composite. 
indeed for all their traditional antagonisms and obvious differences the so-called black and so-called white people of the united states resemble nobody else in the world so much as they resemble each other nigga what the fuck end quote i what i resemble Buttigieg. If I do, let me know. I'll switch my style up. Swift. <laughs> Nigga. This is like completely devoid of historical context of how horrible slavery and Jim Crow and racism and segregation and redlining and everything else was. This really is that like, well, you wear pants and speak English. You're stealing our culture too. No. That we resemble each other? Absolutely would, not. Please go back and look like, up black stand-up comedy in the 90s. All they talked about was, why do white dudes walk like this? Why did, Y'all ever see the white... Why the fuck do white people do that shit? That was a whole lot of black comedy in the 90s was black people laughing, trying to figure out why the fuck white people do this thing that way. We resemble each other. We resemble each other. <laughs> Which actually, like, considering the rise of, uh, not even the rise, but the existence of, like, the Karen, is that how black women behave in stores? They call the cops on you for, all right, all right, fucking, what is this? One of the best pieces And also, I really dislike the... For all their traditional antagonisms and obvious differences, that implies we're in um, equally antagonistic to each other. Again, this is completely devoid of the concept of um, power imbalances no, and power structures. Racism. It's reverse racism. Because you talking about white people should go back to Europe is exactly as racist as someone in the Klan who lynches black people on the weekends for fun these are obviously the same thing but yeah there's absolutely no conversation about um power imbalances in any of this <sighs> yeah there is there was the um remember there was that part earlier hold on now buddy chief you're talking about they don't say it i think you're being irresponsible now mm. <clears throat> oh, i like how as you said that i literally just like spilled some tea on my shirt I am being irris- I am being irresponsible right now. But you also spilled some tea. I did spill some tea. That's the fun part. I've been known to do that a time or two. Da, 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 da. So there's the Babel and Stalin part. Mm-hmm. Here it is. I should make it clear that I'm not saying people who grouse about cultural appropriation are as bad as Stalin. Da, da, da. No, that's not the part. Oh. Ah, fuck. I'm missing it. Do you remember it, though? Wait, the one where he... like like uh, an imbalance or something? Uh, where he said, much of the mixing has been on horribly unequal terms, but not all of it. There we go. See? So what you're claiming wasn't there was there. Brian Morton caters to you. I don't right. want it. I don't want it. Ew. Imani Gandhi used to say that on the... <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Everyone played the appropriation game. Let's get back to where I was. After you spend time reading Ellison and Murray. There it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So after that quote ends from um, Albert Murray, uh, we're back to uh, Brian's own words. After you spend time reading Ellison and Murray, critics of cultural appropriation begin to seem like members of a weird purity cult. 
issuing edicts and prohibitions against the kinds of mixing that are an an inevitable part of life. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. We're just mixing. We're just mixing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's like how um, where when I worked, I worked in that factory for four years with predominantly folks from Mexico, mm-hmm. and like you see how I act now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm always. Yeah. You're like, why aren't we having uh, chimichangas for dinner and shit? Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. totally what they ate all the mm-hmm. time. They ate burgers and shit. No, like, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> no. No. But I, like, I also like. Uh, how come you don't have on the cumbia records? Uh, you're darn right. I have those on. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's a particular style of music. Oh man! All right. Uh, back to uh, what Shannon says is one of the best. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm. Um, so after you spend time reading uh, parody cult inevitable part of life for an eloquent and lively example of a viewpoint largely opposed to the one i'm expressing here i'd recommend laura michelle oh wait so now he's recommending someone that opposes him right mm-hmm. here we go so lauren i said laura he'd recommend lauren michelle jackson's uh and the piece is called white negroes when cornrows were in vogue and other thoughts on cultural appropriation that's the name of the piece uh jackson writes with wit and gusto Mm -hmm. about these issues all right so the white man says there's gusto okay i love when there's i love when there's mc gusto frankly wow and dead mike at at some point (laughs) (laughs) all right the the hip-hop heads get it Uh, about the issues at times uh, sounding like an observer in the tradition oh that's interesting to me in particular an observer in the tradition of Ellison and Murray quote uh, appropriation is everywhere and is also inevitable the idea that any artistic or cultural practices practice is closed off to outsiders at any point in time is ridiculous especially in the age of the internet end quote but although much of her book celebrates this kind of mingling mingling so I just got to point out real quick about that. Um, appropriation is everywhere, also inevitable. The idea that any artistic or cultural practice is closed off to outsiders at any point is ridiculous, especially in the age of the internet. I would actually agree with that, um, you know, because people can see something and mimic it. But again, the whole point why we're doing this, this whole conversation was about cultural appropriation, about taking something from a culture without asking or doing um, like the proper work. So, yeah, like, yeah, someone can see, I mean, we've seen it, right? Like the video of, uh, you know, a black woman twerking and then white women see it and are like, oh, I can do that too, right? And so, like, yeah, because they saw the internet, they can get it. So I understand that that is going to happen, but that doesn't mean that they now respect black culture. And, like, that's the thing that he keeps refusing to address. But, all right. All right, let's see, um... And now we are back to Brian Morton's words. Uh, But although much of her book celebrates this kind of mingling, uh, when she considers examples of white artists who are influenced by black culture, she tends to find the consequences malign. Quote, 
When the powerful appropriate from the oppressed, society's imbalances are exacerbated and inequalities prolonged. In America, white people hoard power like hungry, hungry hippos. In the history of problematic appropriation in America, we could start with the land and crops commandeered from native peoples, along with the mass expropriation of the labor of the enslaved. The tradition lives on. The things black people make with their hands and minds uh, for pay and for the hell of it are exploited by companies and individuals who offer next to nothing in return. I disagree. Nothing in return would be more accurate. Uh, end quote. Back to Brian Morton's words. But the practice of cultural mingling, as Jackson so vividly demonstrates, is as natural and inevitable as breathing. It can't be the practice itself that's the cause of the inequalities she oh rightly my condemns. God. Wow, what's that? Because he's basically saying that, like, that shit we're like, and see, again, he's again refusing to talk about the fucking power imbalances of this shit. We we're talking about, like, uh, oh, well, how come black women don't like it when white women uh, wear braids? It's not because white women are wearing braids. That's not the actual issue in and of itself. The issue is that black girls get sent home from school. Black boys get, um, uh, you know, not allowed to participate in sports because they're wearing those styles. But when a white woman does it, all of a sudden it's trendy or she's brave or she's fashion forward. Again, the power imbalance that black people can't celebrate their own culture. White people see a part of it. And they're like, oh, that looks fun. Let me play irresponsibly without consequences. And he's refusing to address that. So, yeah, actually, that shit does. Because are you actually telling me that, like, um, you know, like, think of, like, a stereotypical, like, uh, like a grungy-looking white person with dreadlocks? Are you telling me that doesn't fit into the, um, like, feed into the stereotype that dreadlocks are dirty? And that's why, like, black people who have them are unprofessional because it's dirty? Like, do you think these fucking, like, you know, white hippie kids who have that shit are helping make dreadlocks mainstream or not? Come on. Stop fucking playing with me. Yeah, I remember the, uh, the what, in recent months? No, maybe last year, uh, the black kid, uh, they cut off his dreadlocks yep. to play basketball. Yes, exactly yeah. that type of shit. So, yeah, it actually um, does contribute to the sort of inequality because, again, you're not respecting black people you're not respecting uh traditional black hairstyles you're not respecting black culture you saw something that looked fun and you put it on because as he said above we're playing irresponsibly at Ugh. least that part is honest um Ugh. let's see did it do and so now um he wants to quote someone else and says listen to historian barbara j fields so here's Barbara J. Fields' words, uh, two paragraphs. Everybody inhabits many cultures, all simultaneous, all overlapping. It was true for Chuck Berry and Elvis Presley. It is true for us today, sharing a history beyond our individual experience and therefore sharing the culture that history has produced. Differences of political standing and economic power ensure that some people can monetize a shared cultural inheritance more than others, just as some enjoy greater wealth and higher incomes, live in better housing, receive better education, and live longer and healthier lives. But that is because of political and economic exploitation, not cultural appropriation. 
political action, not cultural policing, is needed to tackle it. What? So just go vote, I guess. Vote? Differences of political standing and economic power ensure that some people can monetize a shared inheritance. That's literally the epitome. I'm reading. That's literally the epitome of privilege. White privilege. What the fuck did I just say? When white people do it, it's trendy. When black people do it, it's dirty or ghetto or gross or unprofessional. Differences of political standing and economic power ensure that some people can monetize a shared cultural inheritance more than others. How did it come to be that some people have more economic and financial power than others? How did we end up here? <laughs> oh, right. Slavery. Racism. All that good shit. All right. Um, but that is because of political and economic exploitation, not cultural appropriation. So you're telling me that a black person getting fired from their job or kicked out of a university or kicked out of school or kicked off a sports team does not impact their financial future? Uh, no. Okay. Well, as long as we're clear on that. Yeah. We got here because Europeans wouldn't stay in their continental lane. Um, mm. Continuing, but back to Brian Morton's words for a dissentmagazine.org. It makes little sense to condemn an artist or entertainer for taking something from another population or unequal term on unequal terms while failing to note that all of us, anyone who might read Lauren Michelle Jackson's book, anyone who might read this essay, are doing the same thing during every moment of our lives. In a globalized capitalist economy, every object we buy or use or wear or touch is likely to have have been made by workers without significant labor rights in faraway places. Wait, again, see, didn't I fucking say that this is like that? Well, you're wearing jeans, you're appropriate. See, that's <laughs> literally what he's arguing is that, oh, you're surviving under capitalism by taking buying things that were made from other exploited people. You're just as bad as someone who culturally appropriates and steals from another culture to make a profit. Okay, then let's. Didn't I fucking. It took this many words to get here. Then let's end capitalism and quarantine the descendants of its creators. I'm about like, and that's something I learned from capitalism is that you want to fix problems at the root cause. You do. Yeah. Whatever the root cause is of why my machine isn't running well, I need to fix the root cause. And then the other problems iron out easily. It took him this many fucking words to get to some shit I said in the first segment. Oh, you said that earlier today. I'm pretty sure I did. I know I said it in this segment for sure, <laughs> but I think I said it in the earlier one too. This is that shit. Yeah, well, he, he, white men got to say a lot of words. Um, the way uh, continuing, the way forward isn't to pursue a dream of staying within our lanes. Um, stop wearing clothes. Stop using phones. Stop eating food you didn't grow yourself. See, didn't grow yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, see, he's trying to make it about, I'm not farming, so I'm appropriating. Yeah, what are you appropriating? So that's exactly the same as the folks that went down to Mexico on vacation Mm -hmm. and then opened up some wacky stand. Yeah, that's exactly the same thing. But also, again, that fucking hyperbole of, oh, so you're saying I can't eat food now? Nobody fucking said that! But keep in mind, living in um, Central Florida... I actually saw that people actually got arrested for trying to grow their own food in their own yard. Well, that's okay because everybody appropriates culture. 
you realize that's the end goal of this thing is to say it's okay to harm marginalized community because everybody appropriates. Shannon. Like, it's okay to, you know, uh, write characters badly because you need that freedom because black people speak English in America. That's like appropriation too. Again, no fucking concept of power imbalances. Well, earlier, didn't he say uh, we took up English? We took up English. It, it was a hobby. Yeah. It's like croquet. It's just something you take up. Well, yeah, you know, you just kind of show. I mean, I, I did a demonstration before of how it actually happened. Like, the white man said, nigga, speak African. Yes. You need to love your culture. Hotep, hotep. And the and those black folks on the plantation said, hell no, nah. I know English and I's going to talk like you. Where's that Bible? I'm going to love me some white Jesus and be just like the white man. And he said, nigga, why don't you love your culture? I just made you a dashiki. Now wear it, boy. And the, and the black guy said, no, I want Levi's. I want dungarees. I want to be like the white man. We took up English. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. Yeah. These mm-hmm. are all facts. Mm-hmm. Shannon. Really, nigga? the fuck is this goofy shit? This article is horrible. I'm this not going to lie. This is the best. The best. <laughs> That's the word you went with. You wrote, like, you're, and you spelled it right. Like, there was no typo. This is the best. All right, let's fucking finish this fucking piece of shit. Why does he say so many words? Does he not have an editor? An editor would stifle him. And uh, would stifle his creativity yeah. to write, his freedom to write badly. Yeah, that would be policing. Mm-hmm. That's no good. Oh, my God. Ah, so the more one reads about cultural appropriation, the more difficult it is to resist the conclusion that the preoccupation with staying in your lane is a sort of counterfeit politics. Critics of cultural appropriation believe themselves to be involved in a significant political activity, yet the objects of their criticism are usually people who are relatively powerless. The yoga teacher, the woman with the burrito cart. Oh, okay, okay. Ah, you see, because someone who can afford to just fucking go goof around doing yoga, what up? He's um, pretending that this is about individuals and not collective responsibility. So essentially, you can now deny things like privilege, right? So this is essentially a denial that white privilege exists, which goes into what he was saying earlier about like, yeah, sometimes it was shared unequally, but sometimes not. (laughs) This is feeding into that sort of mindset that... There isn't such a thing as like privilege or certain demographics aren't um, getting unearned advantages and benefits because this is just a yoga teacher, just a yoga teacher who came from, a you know what I mean? Or like these two women, right? Just two women who opened up a burrito stand, but who came from a sort of background where they could afford to just go to Mexico for two weeks and sample the cuisine and just had startup money and just, you know what I mean? But yeah, he's uh, pretending that this is about individual choices and that white people have no collective responsibility for their fucking racism. Phoenix denied me my moment to be sorry. a class reductionist. I'm sorry. I am a class reductionist. No, you're I'm... not. <laughs> oh, I'm not? No, oh, you're I'm not, not really. I just call myself and I'm actually not that. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have a solid class praxis, but you're not a reductionist. Aww. If you were a reductionist, you wouldn't be talking about like racism and sexism and transphobia and shit. I don't like those things. I don't like those things either. We should talk about those things. But no, because the class reductionists are like, 
Well, black people wouldn't have problems if they had money. I don't know if you saw that uh, footage of Dr. Dre getting arrested outside his mansion because a white dude called the cops on him, but... (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. The money is great. We do need money. We need, uh, you know, radical wealth redistribution, but... (laughs) You know. Let's take a look here. So they uh da 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 the yo the women with the burrito cart, the uh visual artist, the novelist who dares to venture out there out of the, her lane, it would be hard to make the case that the critique of cultural appropriation constitutes an assault on unjust hierarchies in our society, since those who hold real real power are rarely the objects of critique. Really? So again, individuals don't hold power in society. I guess white people don't have privilege. They don't hold power. All right. No. Okay. Nobody. None, none of them. Mm-hmm. You didn't see. You're, you're full of shit Phoenix. That's her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing. Charges of cultural appropriation are also often made against successful artists and celebrities. From Elvis Presley to Kim Kardashian. Is an, I guess, well, he put artists and celebrities. I was about to say artist of what? Um, uh, to Janine uh, Cummins and the author of American, uh, the author of American Dirt, but it would be Yawn Cummings. Whew. Excuse me. I just yawned and I'm back to it. The, the, uh, so Janine uh, Cumming, Cummins is the author of American Dirt, but it would be uh, fanciful to say that entertainers represent the source of power and unjust hierarchy in, and unjust hierarchy in our society either. Mm-hmm. What up? Sorry, so my bullshit detector has just been going off about these uh, white women with the burrito cart thing, so I actually Googled the story. This is in the article about it. Yeah. Um, the One of the women is named, her last name is, uh, or her name is Liz Connolly. This is one of the women who opened the thing and says, um, I picked the brains of every tortilla lady there in broken Spanish. They showed me what they did. They told us basic ingredients and we saw them moving and stretching the dough, uh, similar to how pizza makers do it, right? To make it sound like we really did the fucking work. But then this is the next sentence. Connolly also noted many of the Mexican women were hesitant to give away their methods, but that didn't stop them from trying to gather more information. They wouldn't tell us about the technique, but we were peeking into the windows of their kitchens. Oh, fuck. I remember reading this. So this nigga went on this whole fucking tirade about it's sharing. Bitch, if you're looking in my window, I'm clearly not trying to share shit with you. Holy shit. This was in my show. What year was that from? This is from 2017. This was in my show notes. This is one of those stories I never got to. I remember reading this shit. So, and he's going to be like, oh, we're just sharing. You're literally peering in someone's window without consent after being told no to steal their fucking family recipe. That's why people are pissed off at you. Not because of some, oh, there's no real definition of cultural appropriation. I just want to yell at white people. This is fucking why. White people are so goddamn See, disingenuous. And you said your bullshit detectors were going off? Yes. So you're like, you're like Zaza Ali. <laughs> like Zaza <laughs> Like, you're functioning on a higher frequency, fam. I am functioning on a higher frequency. But see, and that's exactly that type of shit. So, no, it wasn't just white women who just happened to go to Mexico and took an interest. They were literally, to their in their own words, 
stealing recipes by peering through people's windows and then didn't pay these women shit for stealing their recipes. That's why people are upset. That's a legitimate beef. Shannon, this is one of the best. Ugh. Shannon. Shannon nigga. <laughs> Continuing. Uh, in 2013, the internet spent a few minutes. I like it, just the internet. The internet. The whole thing. The internet spent a few minutes mulling over the question of whether the band Arcade Fire, I don't, I don't know anything about this, was guilty of cultural appropriation when it put out uh, the album Reflector, uh, which was heavily influenced by the music of Haiti. It wasn't a major controversy as internet controversies go, but it was significant enough to make its way to the pages of the Atlantic. Uh, finally, most of the people who discussed this were willing to give the band a pass since the frontman Wynn Butler had been immersed in the music of Haiti for years and his wife and bandmate Regine uh, Chassane is of Haitian descent. Wait a second. That's enter and esting. Let me take a look here. <laughs> right, like now that we see this white man just straight up fucking lying about details and hiding <laughs> facts, we now have to fucking fact check everything. God damn it. Okay, I just wanted to take a look at this Win Butler. Okay, so all right, so because I'm um so because I'm getting sexual satisfaction off of a black body, it's okay for me to make money off of black music. There you go. All right, so Wynn Butler had been immersed in the music, and his wife is a, is a nigger woman, so it's cool. Shannon, really? This is one of the best. Continuing. Not too long before this, um, not too long before this, ordinary Haitians had endured a different form of appropriation. I like, I like so this, how many things does this word mean? Ugh, not as many as they're pretending. Okay. All right. So this is also appropriation right here. I remember reading this this morning or yesterday morning at this point, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, they endured a different form of appropriation from that, uh, a form that went unremarked upon by those who were uh, pondering the questions of how much disapproval to express toward Arcade Fire. See, I don't know much, much about that, but I know that what he is, so he's basically just going to bring up that, um, what we covered in the wine cellar eons ago mm-hmm. about the, um, about the 31 cents an hour and niggas like Hillary Clinton and them yeah. knocking the pay wage down. Okay, uh, can you scroll up just a teeny bit? I just want to see what he said about Reflector. That it was heavily... Okay, he said heavily influenced by the music of Haiti. I'm actually looking at the images um, in the video and reading about it. No, it wasn't the culture of Haiti. They straight up stole um, uh, voodoo imagery for it. Oh... See, again, again, with the fucking dishonest shit. Because there's a difference between voodoo and Haiti. Voodoo is a very specific religion. It has very specific um, cultural signifiers. And, like, at least acknowledge that's what they took without permission 
um, if you're going to make a cultural appropriation discussion about it. Don't just be like, oh, you know, because I, I mean, I, I mean, we wouldn't be mad. But like, for you know, example, like fucking evangelicals, right? If they someone from another culture just started using pictures of Jesus in a way they didn't approve of how they'd be pissed off. Yeah, hmm. that's what happened. Let's see. Okay. And um, boo do do do. So yeah, he does that thing with that. So apparently, that is also appropriation, uh, because and continuing on with Brian Morton's words, powerful corporations from the most powerful country on earth exerted pressure that intensified the destitution of people in Haiti. Among the corporations were Levi Strauss and Haynes, whose CEO was at the time receiving a compensation package of about $10 million a year. Yet you could have searched Facebook and Twitter and the rest of the internet for a long time before finding any Americans, uh, Wine Cellar Media and uh, Black Agenda Report, Mm -hmm. um, any Americans who cared or even knew about any of this, even after WikiLeaks and The Nation uh, brought it to light in 2011. Uh, WikiLeaks is not like some huge outlet, especially not then. And the nation is pretty much just something that Democrats like Patton Oswalt read, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in 2017, uh, the two Portland women who'd opened the burrito cart closed their business after being assailed. Uh-huh. by online activists for appropriating the cuisine it's of Mexico. Interesting how they picked a word that sounds so close to assaulted. What? Mhm. The white women were assailed, assailed. Mhm. All right, by online for appropriating the cuisine of Mexico. The following year, when the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company fired dozens of workers who were trying to launch an independent trade union in its factory in San uh, Luis Potosi, Mexico, few in the world of online outrage took any notice. Wait a minute. So you're saying that if you don't know about a worker strike that's happening, that you can't be mad. White women went to a foreign country and started looking through people's windows to steal their recipes and spy on them. And I wonder if Brian Morton put in a great effort to uh, spread that information. I mean, I would wonder. We've covered workers' rights issues on our outlet. I mean, I can't get over that. They just fucking straight up admitted that they just went around looking in people's windows spying on them. That's fucking creepy. And, and also, why didn't anybody shoot them? Because they're white. You know what happens when you kill a white woman? Ah, yeah. And there was two of them. And when you actually kill a white woman. Not not when white people lie and do that. All right. So, continuing. Of course, the pressure exerted on working people in Haiti and Mexico is the same pressure that corporate power exerts all over the world, including within this country, where capital's long war against labor rights and social welfare provisions seems to grow more intense every year. He's a class reductionist. Oh, not me. I don't get to be one, too. No, you're not a class reductionist. That's booty, cuz. Stop talking about racism. You want to be a class reductionist? Stop talking about racism. All right, I'll just talk about white supremacy <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, fucking. 
<laughs> exerts all over the world a uh, long war against labor rights and social welfare welfare positions uh, mm-hmm. uh, seems to grow more intense every year this is true appropriation the stealing of people's life chances the repression of their wait but wouldn't so the stealing of people's life chances so again a white man making up a bullshit story about me before I can try to monetize telling my own story does not steal my life chances. No, no. Black kids who get sent home because their hair is in braids, that's not going to fuck up their future at all. Shannon. Yeah, fucking, um, I mean, there's so many fucking examples of appropriation with this shit. Right? Who the fuck taught Madonna to Vogue? Shannon. How's she doing? Last I heard, she was in poverty and dealing with addiction. Shannon? But you know, that's not real appropriation because it's not stealing the life chances because sometimes things are shared equally. Right? And uh, damn. Uh, now, I don't typically talk about rap or hip hop or anything like that. <laughs> but again, like, I think of so many, like, overlapping reasons of why people. Um, uh, hated gangster rap in the 90s. Obviously not the people that bought it. The shit sold by the fucking billions. Right. Um, but like people that hated it. And that's them telling their own story on Spice One America's Nightmare album in songs like Face of a Desperate Man. He's telling his own story instead of someone telling it for him. Mm-hmm. Like people would be much more comfortable with like a Chuck D telling his story like as an observer yeah of being like and this is what brothers in the hood are going through mm-hmm. and you know when he loads up a strap and he shoots another black man and over what selling a gram you know some shit yeah. like that but instead you got spice one doing a first person narrative saying um i got me a strap and learned not to shoot my balls off and spice one got to make money telling his own story yeah hey all right. Uh, I think I like the I do like this, though, like in comparison to earlier where he was doing the quotes about um, how like marginalized black men imposed their culture on America through music. So um, hmm. how many of them have Elvis Presley money? Since apparently uh, what is what the fuck did he say? Um, that real appropriation is stealing people's life chances. When I was a kid growing up, because I didn't get this shit, yo, but like, you know, television was television and it was amusing and you had to wait for commercials to end before you could see your show again. But like you could buy like Elvis Presley commemorative plates. You still can. Yeah. All sorts of Elvis Presley shit. Is mm-hmm. that for all the niggas? That's for Elvis Presley. His fucking house is a, um, a fucking like museum. Uh, yeah, like it's like an like an amusement museum site. Like people pay to go through walk through his fucking house. Okay, all because he uh I don't know wore a silly suit. I don't know. I I, I I've heard some of his shit. It, the shit wasn't that hot to me. This shit. Uh, he hit. was made popular on Ed Sullivan because of his dance moves, which were mimicking black people's dance moves. It was very hippie. Like, a lot of hips, a lot of swinging. Hmm. Girls liked it. It was very scandalous at the time. Hmm. Like, that was actually a thing. Like, when he would go on shows, uh, like, 
the equivalent of like a, who the fuck is that guy? Like the equivalent of Jimmy Fallon. But when he would perform, they would literally only like have the camera from the waist up so that people couldn't see his hips on TV because it was like too risque. Oh, like shit like that. That's how his name blew up. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, didn't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fuck with that shit. That shit ain't that hot. Uh, <laughs> fucking looking at stealing people's life chances, the repression of their opportunity for leisure and health and safety. Uh, the mal- the malefactors here aren't women running a burrito cart or musicians soaking up influences or white models wearing dreadlocks or writers uh, uh, trying to dream their way into other people's lives, but corporate actors making decisions that degrade us all. Something I So it's okay about. for white people to go look through your window and steal your techniques and recipes. And then not pay you for it. That's okay. That doesn't... That's fine. Okay. If Just I checking. see you looking at my window while I'm mixing down a podcast, <laughs> we're going to catch a fade real quick. Um, I'm not talking about a haircut. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, continuing on with Brian Morton's words. Sometimes I wish we were equipped with an extra sense. A sense that would allow us to uh, perceive how connected we are to one another. When I put on my shirt... I would feel the labor of the garment worker in Nicaragua who pieced it together. Nigga. When I use my phone, I would be aware of the child laborer in the Democratic Republic of the Congo who mined the, coal, the cobalt for this battery. When I peel an orange, I would feel the presence of the worker in Florida who picked it. Lacking such a sense, we need to cultivate the sympathetic imagination. We need to try to imagine the lives of others. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) I'm trying not to blow up the decibels. (laughs) This is stupid. Continuing... So I'm not finally arguing that when artists try to imagine the lives of others, we should lighten up and see their efforts as basically harmless. I'm arguing that imagining the lives of others is an essential part of the effort to bring into being a more human world. We can embrace a sort of cultural solipsism that holds that different groups have nothing in common or we can understand that our lives are inextricably bound up with the lives of people we'll never know. We can deny what we owe to one another or we can seek to retrieve the vision of a shared humanity. We can choose to believe that it's virtuous to try to stay in our lanes, or we can choose to learn about the idea of solidarity. It's <laughs> it's an old idea, but for those of us concerned with freedom and equality, it's still the best idea we have. This dude want to say nigger so bad on his Twitter account. <laughs> This is horrible. This is absolutely horrible. So all you have to do is feel connected to the fucking child slave labor making your clothes. What was Shannon's message? I'm going to get oh, your computer. 
Oh, you're gonna. I'll. I'll well, here. You entertain the people. I'll get it. What? Entertain the people. That's anyway. I've literally never done anything entertainment in my fracking house life. All right, Fiends Kalita says. Uh, all right, y'all niggas know what I'm gonna do. I'm already on Right Wing Watch. All right, let, let's take a look. Let's see what we got on Right Wing Watch. Phoenix Kalita is go. I, I gotta see like, what is Shannon saying? Why is this so dope? Uh, Michelle Bachman. All right, Michelle Bachman keeping it all the way gangster. Um, y'all folks may remember she, Michelle Bachman. I think she was a representative out of Iowa, replaced by Joni Ernst, and she got caught up in some uh, some money dollar dealings and announced that she will not be coming um oh excuse me coming back to politics all right so let's see what she's doing now and what we have in the headline at this point is my vote was stolen michelle bachman said she will never be a chump all right michelle bachman ain't no chump you gotta respect that i ain't no chump either homie from the political point of view, from the legal point of view, from the moral point of view, America is not on board with Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. On some level, that is inadvertently true. Obviously, the Republicans are not on board. The left is not on board. It's really like four class privileged neoliberals that are on board. That is inadvertently true. And I don't do that broken clock twice a day shit. With Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. We're not there. And the reason why we're not there is because we're not that dumb in the United States. Because we know without a shadow of a doubt this man did not get the votes on election night. It didn't happen. Donald Trump got the votes on election night. I mean, nigga, weren't there like mail-in votes and all that shit? But then also, electoral, fuck it. <laughs> so why would we be like drones, chumps, and fools to go along with this? When the clock... I like that. Drones, chumps, and fools. And also, does she have a brace on her ankle? Does she break her shit? Let's see. Let's continue. Was striking 11, 59, and 59 seconds on the 400th anniversary of this gift of God to the world. This idea of voting for the people and the laws that you live under that we take for granted. That's exactly when Satan was snatching away from America, ruled by the consent of the governed. In other words, stealing from us our right to vote. All right. What? Michelle Bachman always be talking about Satan. That's a big thing with her. She is not feeling the S man. All right. So Phoenix Kalita. Yeah, I got it. Oh, God. Well, yeah. What? What is this? Why is this? the realest and the illest to uh shannon Raintree. okay uh let's see um oh no they said that they're feeling shaky because we disagreed with them uh-oh shaky uh-oh we're not trying to scare anybody you just i just don't like that article at all 
God, she's mm. doing that white woman. The Negroes are scaring her or uh, something. Fuck Shannon. Uh, no, I was just saying, like, rethinking. Because, you know, sometimes when somebody you respect disagrees with something, you're like, oh, maybe I was wrong about it. Um... Oh, okay. Um, let's see. So this isn't well thought out yet, and I've got to get back to work, but I have some real problems with the whole, um, I don't, what is S-I-Y-L? Oh, stay in your lane. Okay. Uh, stay in your lane responses to people, and I think that the idea of cultural appropriation uh, is more nuanced. Um, dressing up in blackface, uh, for example, has a racist, murderous history and is unacceptable. Um... Yeah, but all that other shit is directly adjacent to okay. it. And then, oh, and then they stopped responding because I didn't have time to respond yet. So they said, are you getting these messages? So, yes, I'm going to tell them that they're getting the messages and they can keep explaining because I don't like this article at all. And I would actually really like to know what they found to be good about it. Like, I didn't like it at all. Quite frankly, I think it's just her whiteness showing through. Like, on some level, like, you see, folks, nihilists are the logical people nihilists are the adults in the room nihilists are always right frankly and nihilists go by the facts yes man <laughs> i know oh, phoenix said nigga fuck that shit <laughs> but it's like i it, that's why i'm not really it ain't no beef with me like i i, I like it sound it maybe it sounds like a beef because a black man is speaking at a like at a little too loud so maybe it sounds like a beef then the negro is loud but nah, it ain't no beef because I don't really expect much from white people. Like, I see this going, I'm just like, yeah, well, you're white, you know what? And you value having fun over justice. You're enjoying yourself. So you're just gonna say some bullshit and keep on having a good time. You know, it's like, um, even like, like we fuck with, uh, with Chelsea Sprinkler on the program, but Chelsea Sprinkler's still white. You know, and it's like, and I see like Chelsea Springler is with an, an upwardly mobile black man, knowing that there are black women that wouldn't mind being with an upwardly mobile black man, but she'd rather have him for herself. And it's like, well, you know what? There you go. That's what's going to happen. Like white people are going to be white. And then also at the same time, my fellow cis hetero men, cis hetero men, like I'm ready for the disappointment. It's coming. It's on the way, you know? <laughs> Like, like, and you look at the very same counterpoint, like with Chelsea Springler, and these are my folks. Like, I fuck with them. We do our program together. But like Eric Hudson, upperly mobile black man, plenty of black women around. He's obviously a hetero dude, wants to be with a woman. And where does he go? To a white teenager. Because they met when she was 19, right? I don't... We brought, yeah, we brought this up on the program months no. ago. But yeah, and it's like, and I'm like, you know what? That, that was gonna happen. Like... I'm never disappointed because I have no hope in anyone or anything. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yo, know, uh, you don't have any hope in anyone or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the rest of us can't give up the little bit of hope that we have. It's too much. Oh, well, then keep being it's too much. Keep having sad days. <laughs> I don't have sad days because everything that happens, I'm like, yeah, that was going to happen. <laughs> that, was, that, that was coming. No, I can't give up hope on everything because I'm like, what's the point of anything? Oh, looking for some funny shit. That's for that. Yeah, that's memes. All. Memes are the memes are the meaning yeah. of life. Memes, yeah, I'm just looking like, <laughs> let's get another action movie. Can I get another Harley Quinn? Give me another Harley Quinn movie. You know, I'm just looking for a little bit of of, of, of amusement before I die. Hmm. Because 
everything else is fucking hopeless. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't give up all the hope. I can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll be saying <laughs> I told you so longer. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I hope I don't have to. Oh, okay. I can't wait All to right. be disappointed All right. on that one. All right. I see what you did there. Yeah, man. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, people are, they, 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 this is the best you're going to get. Take a look around, folks. This is it. This is what it all is going to be. And with exponentially increasing climate change, it's not going to get much farther past this. Mm-hmm. It's in the can. Find something to laugh at and eat some chips or something. Eat some chips or something. That yes. That's really? All right. I'm a philosopher. You're not a phil. Well, you're kind of a philosopher. I'm appropriating it. I am? Really? A I little bit. I joke and say, no, I'm a not. A little bit. A little bit. How? This claim you make. I don't be philosophizing. Really? I don't think so. I'm just some nigga that be yelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't have a philosophy. I don't think so. I don't even know what a philosophy is, actually. Oh, my God. It's just a funny word. <laughs> it is a funny word. And I associate it with William Lane Craig, so it, it makes it even funnier. Wow. Well, what is philosophy? We're going to get some hate mail over that, I think. Um, nah, no one gives a <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, All what right. is it? All what right, is... let's go Let's go textbook. Oh, like the textbook definition of yeah. philosophy? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think I'd be doing that shit. I think I'd just be illin'. I think I'd just be seeing shit. And I'd be like, yo, fuck that. That's whack. And the niggas be like, why you think that's whack? And I'd be like, man, because it's fucking garbage. <laughs> why? All right. Uh, philosophy is the study of fundamental nature of knowledge, knowledge, reality, and existence, especially as a discipline. I, I'm not smart enough to understand that. Understand what part? Wait, that, that definition the, the again? The study... Of the nature of knowledge, reality, and existence? The study of the nature of knowledge? Yeah. What the hell is the nature of knowledge? (laughs) What the fuck is that? That's just a literary for the sake of it. (laughs) Why did you have to say it like that? (laughs) I don't get it. What's the nature? (laughs) You did not have to fucking say it like that. Um... How we arrive at conclusions, things like that. Is the nature of knowledge? Yeah. How you arrive at conclusions? Yeah. You you look at some shit. Okay. I don't know, like, what, what, what's the conclusion I have? I don't know. You I have gotta, a lot of fucking conclusions. Of um, that everything gets worse? You do have a conclusion everything gets worse, but, like, what, knowledge, reality, existence? Okay. Um... What is it you always say about, like, cis men um, when it comes to relationships, especially sexual relationships with women, that they're doing it to have stories for other cis men? Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. Right? Yeah. So, like, that's, you know. That's the nature of knowledge? It, well, yeah, but because you break down how you arrived at your conclusions. Oh, yeah, because, like, when I was a kid, I was watching a film. And a um, it was a it was an old uh, black movie. Uh, lo- it looked seventies, but not like um, not like black exploitation seventies. Just like regular movie. And a guy had um had sex with a with a girl. I think they were teenagers. And immediately, like after ejaculating or whatever, like whenever they were finished, um, he was like, 
oh man, I can't wait to tell, you know, and, and mm-hmm. named one of his friends. Yeah. And like, and I was a kid and I was just like, why? You know, because I'm a kid, I didn't get it. Yeah. You know, and then, like, as you get older, like, you hear guys just real excited to tell stories, and then you start to learn that some guys are actually lying. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, it's not even some. It's, like, high numbers or exaggerating. Yeah. And then, like, some stuff is just, like, is that even really fun to do? Uh. And are you doing that really safely? Like, there's one lyric, like, one guy said, I'm getting head, booty, and cock. Now, when he says cock, know that... Um, some Gen Xers and Boomers from California, um, they refer to uh, vagina labia as cock. That's the word they use for it. I don't know how the fuck that got to be their vernacular. (laughs) All right, but like, but it's like, wait. So like in one sexual encounter, you had to go oral sex, anal sex, and vaginal sex. Yes. Why did you have to do all that? Because he wanted to give her a yeast infection. And then also, like, did everyone make sure? Is it, did everyone like do all the do all the proper cleaning procedures that I assume you want to do before engaging in these activities? And then, but then I realized, it's like, but then you made sure to put it in a lyric and tell everybody, you know, or it always has to be like, oh, I I, I beat it up, and always this violent language, and it's mm-hmm. always very quick to come back and tell someone else. And then there was um. One point in my own life, um, very early in my 20s, I was actually just 21 at this time, and I had had a, um, a sexual encounter. And But the thing is, like, my biological sister had a bunch of friends over, and, like, they were in the other room, and apparently, like, they were also co-workers, and they're, like, gossiping about it at work I guess and like Mm -hmm. and there's another cis man at the job Uh, this cat's name was Steven and like I don't know what the fuck is going on with Steven at work this day he's like throwing shit at me and then running back around the corner giggling and then like he comes back around the corner and moons me like I don't really know why I need to see that but alright that's part of my life now and then I was like what's your fucking deal And then this is verbatim quote. This sentence has been in my head. I'm 37 now. So for 16 years. Yes. This verbatim quote has been stuck in my head. He yelled and he wasn't smiling or laughing anymore. He said, you got some pussy and you won't tell me about it. Ooh, what? Why? So apparently I was breaking man rules of some sort. Yes. And then I just denial was just like that's not true I, I didn't know it's just like because i don't that's if the door was closed ain't nobody's business you know but like apparently that's a big deal with men is that you have sex so you can tell other men mm-hmm. i'm not a philosopher okay okay um by the way yeah, i man. thought you might like to know um it's a french word I don't speak French. I'm going to say coquille. Coquille? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's pretty wild. As have how cock came to be on the West Coast. It started in the uh, French-speaking territories in the South. Ah, so niggas from Louisiana went out. Bah, 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 bah. Okay. Yes. There we are. That- because coquille is a shell, which, of course, you know, depending on the shell shape, right, is a vagina reference for appearance. But then also, apparently, in French 
coquillage is a young woman's virginity. So also a gender. So both the shell and the genitals. And then you just sort of shorten it up as it goes on. Yeah, so for some of you pedestrian rap fans um, that may have heard a... Holy shit. Yes. Oh, fuck. The uh, the Zoom thing died. Oh, damn. Yeah, so we're not live on Facebook anymore. It's only podcast audio now. Oh, no. So I guess for some of you pedestrian Snoop Dogg fans that uh, may have heard a song called Gin and Juice, now yes. you understand that's that all, lyric. That's also referenced in this article. Raise up out the cock. Yes, and this is... Uh, actually, there's several rap references in here. This is from LA Weekly. There's actually, like, several just straight-up rap lyrics in here. Because that's where we... Yeah, like, Brother Lynch. Because Brother Lynch talks about cannibalism. Yeah, which also worth noting... Um, I think I scrolled past it. Uh, someone from 2 Live Crew said... Oh, shit, I can't find it now. Um, someone from 2 Live Crew said they got it... Also got it from someone in the islands, but not a French speaking um place where the fuck did it go this article is really long um shit i can't find it now of course huh. oh um caca bread what the fuck i don't know apparently uh luke from two live crew says that his parents used to say that and they were from the islands oh damn Tariq nasheed never calls him an immigrant coon weird one parent is from the bahamas the other one is from jamaica Okay. All right, folks. Uh, hey, been a while since we ran a uh, two-hour-plus episode, and I probably that's maybe why the Zoom uh, stopped. Maybe there's a limit on the time, so I need to look at my Zoom account. Right now, we have a $31 a month uh, Zoom account, mm-hmm. so we can do more than the one hour, because I think if you have a regular account, you're capped at, like, 30 minutes or an hour, some shit like that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, we, we have the corporate account. <laughs> Oh, shit. I don't think Wine Cellar can afford that. No, no, we cannot. No. What, no. How much is that shit a month? Um, It was uh like $1,000 for a year, I think is what we paid, something like that, for all the... Even for a year, like, breaking that down month to month? Yeah. That... What the fuck are they doing so special? Do y'all uh, actually need a corporate account? Dude, we have meetings every day. Oh, you have a limited amount of meetings you can have? No, you can have as many as you want, but, like, we as an organization have meetings every day like somebody is in a meeting every day Hmm. so yeah which actually tonight when i was on my meeting i accidentally kicked someone else off there oh (laughs) yeah all right folks um shit yo so there you go we covered this thing on cultural appropriation yes i don't get it but you know what no yes i do get it shannon is white and they're, they're only going to be so, uh, you know, cool or whatever the fuck. I, I don't have a better word for that. Yeah, so just stop expecting um, anything. And just um, that way you'll be less disappointed. All right? <laughs> less hope, less disappointment. <laughs> well, I have some hope. So I'm going to hope that she just did not consider the perspectives that we brought. All right. You're, so you're just going to have some disappointment. That's good. You know. Moderation is key. <laughs> Me, I'm all not right. going to be disappointed at all. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and kill this thing. Uh, Patreon.com slash Wine Cellar Media Fund. PayPal.me slash Phoenix and William. Mm-hmm. If you want to throw a tip at a futher mucker, uh, the Venmo is at Wine Cellar Media. 
And, uh, fuck, I'll uh, come back and do another episode. It is 2.25 a.m. Yes. Um, I should probably eat the food and do the resting rest. Oh, but I also, I need to um, analyze Tariq Nasheed's uh, propaganda. Let's see what the fuck he's doing. All right. Have mm-hmm. a great one. Bye, y'all.